Good morning, all. It is great to see you. It is so great, Davina, to see you and this precious little Nicole. I think this is the first time you've been here, eh? With the baby? Yeah, so this beautiful baby. Well done. Yeah, let's give her a hand. So it's so great to have you both here today. That's fantastic. Um, it is also great to see you. You're probably not quite as cute as a baby, but it's good that you're here. And it's welcome. Welcome to those who are at home watching also. I um, mean, we just hope the Lord will bless you where you are. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we jump into his word together. Our sovereign king, we just thank you that you are our king and that you do reign supreme. And as we gather in this place, we gather under the lordship of you, Jesus, under all that you represent and all that you were, and our heart is to cry out to you, our heart is to engage your presence today. Christ, you know everything, everything that a person walked in this place carrying in their heart, in their mind, whatever it was, you know it. And I just pray today that through your Holy Spirit that you will meet each of us individually but collectively and speak into our heart, encourage us, inspire us, continue to transform us for your glory. But above all, let us just know that we're in the presence of the King of Kings. And we just give you this time, Christ, for your glory. Remove me completely, but use me for you, for your glory, Jesus. We love you. Amen. We've been going through for several weeks now, or a couple of months even, really, around this idea of where Christ said to pray, your kingdom come. And what does that mean to ask for the kingdom of God to come on earth? And, and we talked around the idea of the kingdom in your home, what it looks like to be individuals who live in a home as a kingdom individual, and how that affects your marriage and your parenting and how you treat those who live in your household and how you treat those that you, that you serve with or work alongside um, we talked about that in the home life, and then we, we talked a couple of weeks ago around this idea of kingdom community and what it means to be a community of people who have the ethos and the values of Christ, and that we are a community because we share, share the same common thing, the common unity of Christ, and that we come together and we talked around those values of what those things look like and how we're to move in those. And sandwiched in between those two um, ideas, we talked about the importance of the Holy Spirit, that you have to have the power of the Holy Spirit, as Paul talks about in chapter 5 of Ephesians, really leading you to be able to be the husband and wife, to be the parent, to be the co-worker, to even be the community that we should be. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells within us as followers of Christ. This way, we're going to begin looking at what does it mean to be this kingdom community and take that kingdom out into the community when we move out into our workplace every day or when we move out into um, maybe a footy club or somewhere that you gather around other people, there are probably people there that don't share the same ethos that you do, that don't share the same passion for Christ. And how do you then live your life in a way that really reflects the kingdom life, that will show them the kingdom life? And why do we need to do that? Well, I'm glad you asked me that question. Because before we jump into Colossians, I want to show you why it's important that we're willing to take the kingdom of God out where we go every day. So if you look in your, in your Bibles, if you have, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 first. It's going to be up here on the screen as well. But I just want to show you a few things that are pretty important for us to grab a hold of, of why we need to be wanting and desiring to be kingdom in the community around us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's actually a transformation that takes place. You become a new creation. The old things have passed away. You are now a kingdom individual. You're part of the kingdom of God. And that means the old nature, the old kingdom ways of life, well, they have died with Christ at Calvary. And then you now have been given the power through the Holy Spirit to live this new life. You're a new creation. Hallelujah. That's awesome. And that's what he starts out here saying, look, I just want you to know that, that you're a new creation. The old things have passed away. The new things have come. If you are in Christ, what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, as, as Nate just talked around communion, it's understanding the life of Jesus. He lived a perfect life on earth, set an example for us. The death of Christ, which was of a perfect lamb of God. He did no wrong, did not deserve to die, but his death was for us. So that our sins could be paid for because the wages of sin is, is that all you got? The wages of sin is, that's better. Wages of sin is death. So he paid that on Calvary. So the death of Christ is something we remember because it's him paying our debt. And then he rose again on the third day, which brings this new life for us, this victory over sin in the grave, saying it is possible through Christ to live a different way, to be this new creation And then he ascended to the right hand of the Father to make intercession for you and I, to be there, pray on our behalf. This is the journey of Jesus. This is what we become a part of. This is anyone who is in Christ. Very basic, but this is our belief. Are you with me? But if you put your faith in that, you become a new creation. The old things have passed away. So the things you struggle with before Christ... Whether it be an addiction or poor relationships or anger issues or, or pride or whatever it is, those things have now been overcome by the power of Christ within you through the Holy Spirit, and you no longer are a slave to those things. You can give in to them, unfortunately, but you are free from them. You are a new creation. How is this possible? Well, I just told you, but look at the next verse. He says to us in verse 18 and 19, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself and not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the world, the word of reconciliation. And we'll talk about our role as reconcilers in a minute, but the key to this that I want you to see is that Christ is the way, this new creation that he came, the Father sent him. And and I love this, not imputing their trespasses, not holding our sin against us. God said, you deserve death, and I should give you death, but I'm not going to hold that against you. I'm actually going to let my son come and pay your debt so you can be reconciled, brought back into relationship with the Father, with me. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen? Man, this is the good news. It is the very passion of who we are. So we have that through Christ. We've been reconciled to the Father. We're a new creation because of Jesus. We are new through Jesus. And then look at this next verse. And this is the verse that I really want to draw to. Now then we are what? We are ambassadors for Christ. Now then, why now? Because you are a new creation, because you put your faith in Christ who came to reconcile you, and because that has happened, you are an ambassador for Christ. You ever thought about the fact that you are an ambassador? What does it mean to be an ambassador? 
It is one who represents a kingdom, country. Wow. Have you ever stopped and thought about the fact that you, as a new creation through Christ, represent Christ? Have you ever thought of that? How do you feel about that? How do you feel about being an ambassador of Jesus? Fantastic. What else? What'd you say? Scary. Yeah. A little daunting. Me? I mean, I'm pretty red tag, a little short, a little bald, a little round. Can I really represent you, Jesus? I understand that. What else do you feel about being an ambassador of Christ? Privileged. Honor. But you understand that this is what God says about you. He doesn't say, ah, if you become a new creation and, and, and you believe in Christ and become this new creation, you're reconciled to me. You can if you want to. If you want to represent me, yeah, you can. No. He says you are an ambassador. You're part of my kingdom. And everywhere you go and everything you do is a reflection on me. A team, a sporting team. I don't know if you like sports, but if you've ever played sports, the moment you put on the jersey or the Guernsey, whatever you call it here, the moment you put that on and you step onto the basketball court or you step onto the rugby field or you step onto the, the footy field or wherever you go, the minute you step out there with that jersey on, you no longer represent yourself, you represent the team. You heard that before? Yeah. It's what you represent. And whatever you do... It's not a reflection of just you. It's a reflection of the whole team. Now, as parents, you may have said this or had your parents say this to you. When you get old enough to go out on your own and kind of do your own thing, your parents may say, hey, don't forget where you come from. And don't forget who you are. Talking about who you represent. Because when we go out there as a part of a team, then everyone's looking at us as a team and we reflect that team. Well, beloved, newsflash, when you call yourself a follower of Christ, everywhere you go, whatever you do is a reflection of Christ. You are an ambassador of Jesus. Yes, it can be scary, but it should be privileged and honored. You shouldn't wake up and say, oh, no, today I'm going to represent Jesus. You should wake up and say, yes. Today, as I live my life, people can see Christ in me. Amen. Because look at what he says in the next part of that verse. Now then, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Through your life, God wants the world to see the hope of his gospel message. Through your life, God wants the world to know that if a marriage is broken, it can be healed. If a person is in addiction, he can be set free. If a person is struggling with anger, they can be given peace and calm. Whatever you walked through, whatever sin struggle you had, that the Holy Spirit through the power of Christ has transformed you, you can testify that as you live every day for the glory of God. As you go down to the shops and, and you have the moment to be impatient and angry or whatever, but yet you choose patience and kindness in gentleness, you're an ambassador for Christ. And they go, wow, why is this person so different? One of the greatest things I love to hear when I'm walking around people who don't have faith in Christ is that, that statement. Why are you so different? 
Well, because of Jesus. Because of what Christ has done. God wants to plead with people through our life. So it's not about what you come in, and you know this, beloved. It's not about what we come in here and we do on a Sunday, man. We use this to be refreshed, to be rejuvenated, to be encouraging and supporting each other. It's what we go out there every day and do as the ambassadors of Christ in our everyday life that brings glory to the Father. So we need support. We need encouragement. We need to be connected into the heart of the Father through the Holy Spirit so that we make the right choices. We're not perfect, and you're not going to do everything perfect, and that's where the scary part comes in for me. But what if I mess up today? But look at the last verse, verse 21 in this passage, and that starts in, it starts with for he. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Him being who? Jesus. God made him who knew no sin, the perfect life of Christ, to become our sin, death on the cross, so that we could become, what do we become? The righteousness of God. When God looks at our life, he sees holy, beloved, righteous. Do you understand that? So God says, and get close, God says, you are worthy. This blows me away. You are worthy to represent me. To the world. Come on. Why? Because he who knew no sin became my sin that I might become the righteousness of God in him. So I have been made righteous and pure and holy through the power of Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to go and live my life in a way that will bring glory to God. And God looks at me and he says, you are worthy. Not because of me, but because of Christ and what he's done in me. That's good, isn't it? That's why you can be honored to be an ambassador because it's Christ within you that does. We've sang about it already today. It's Christ within you that gives you that ability. And as you go out to work or as you go out to the shops this afternoon, wherever you go, just take a deep breath and say, God, thank you that I can represent you today and let me do it in a way that's going to bring glory to your name. I wanted to start with that this morning because I want you to understand that it isn't just my idea that we need to be out there taking the kingdom to the community. It's very biblical. We are called to be ambassadors. We are called to be ambassadors for Christ. Everywhere we go, every day of our life, everything we do should be done in a way that brings glory to God. Now, I know that's not true of my life. Not every day, not everything, but it should be my ambition. It should be my passion. And as we move into Colossians 4 now, what we're going to see is some great principles that are going to help us do this. Some things that Paul is talking to the church here in Colossus about that I think are very practical, very helpful. And, and the three things is we need to go with prayer, we need to go with passion, and we need to go with purpose. And we're not going to get through all those today, okay? We'll finish them up in a couple weeks' time. I know this is a bit of my pattern, but it's just true. But we'll, we'll finish them up. We're going to talk about the first one, though, that we need to go with prayer, it needs to start. For me to really be this ambassador, for me to take the kingdom in the community, it starts with prayer. And that's what he says here in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Now, how many of you think that prayer is a good thing? That's good. How many of you feel like, here's a statement. Let me say this first. I don't remember who said it, and I hate quoting things I don't remember, but it was something I read years ago. 
And it was Ian Bounds or, or Spurgeon or I don't know who it was. But anyway, the greatest power, one of the greatest powers we have as a Christian is prayer. But the most neglected aspect of a Christian life is prayer. Do you agree with that? We know we need it. We know it's powerful. But do we really? Because if we really did, wouldn't we invest in it a bit more? Well, I know I would. I know I should. I know I, I, I'm, I'm aiming toward that. And if we're going to represent Christ out there in the world, it starts in this place of me realizing the importance of my connectivity, my communion with God. And that happens in prayer. It happens through worship. It happens through all these things that, that bring me into a conversation with God. Now, Paul gives us some key things around prayer that I want us to look into today. And as we get ready to do that, I just want to give you a story, an example of prayer, of the power of prayer. Just so happened this week a few times. I love how God does this. We've got what we're going to preach on this week, and I've kind of got it in my mind, and I go into different conversations with different people, and that topic's brought up. Well, knowing I was going to preach on this for quite a while, I was in a conversation this week with, with Nate and a couple other guys, and we were talking about just our, our, our disciplines of being in the Word and studying the Word and finding that balance in time. And they just opened up and shared very willingly that, you know, he said, oh, I've struggled with that. I've struggled with really being in the Scripture, really finding a joy and a delight in reading in the Scripture. Um, and quite a while back, he said, I was just really talking about that, thinking about that, and was it a podcast you listened to or something? Um, and he realized that in the midst of this, that his lack of desire to be in the Word actually was a heart issue. It was something within him. So, and this is what got me. He said, so I spent the week praying, asking God to change my heart. I spent the week praying, asking God to change my heart. And now 18 months later, 18 months later, he's still finding joy in the word. Come on, man. Prayer. Because of God's faithfulness to us. If we would just be, be believing and confident that, that prayer does make a difference in our life. And that's what it's about, guys. We've got to see the importance and the power that prayer offers us so that we can be what God has called us to be. So in this passage, the first thing he talks about in verse 2, he says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. The first thing you see is earnestly, and, and that in some translations is devoted be devoted. Um, and when you look at it from an idea of the Greek, I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget. Um, the Greek word there for earnestly is courageously persistent. So Paul is saying continue courageously persistent in prayer. Be courageous in prayer. Be persistent in prayer. Why? Because you believe that it is the power that we all agreed a while ago that it is. But if I ask myself and possibly if I ask you, you believe it's the greatest power, but do you use it all the time? Do you go to God in prayer before you, you respond to anything? Or are you like me? You try to do it all yourself, and then when it doesn't work, you resort to prayer because you can't figure out how to do it. We should be just the opposite. We should be courageously persistent toward prayer, believing that it is what we need and it is the lifeline we have to wisdom. Hear me, beloved. It is the lifeline we have to wisdom, 
to, to peace, to hope, to healing, to power, to his presence, and you can go on and on and on down the line. Prayer is that connectivity that gives us all these things that we are promised through our new created life. We have to be courageously persistent, devoted, devoted to prayer. Now, this is one of the things I feel God has been challenging me on for the, and I was sharing this with some guys the other day, where God's been challenging me on for the last several weeks. And I'll just be honest with you, I think, God, you know, it's hard, God, sometimes to really just commit myself to, to prayer and to set aside that time. I've got five kids, Lord, they run me crazy. You got billions of kids, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but I'm just all this time of figuring out. But God began to show me something. Yes, having my time every day setting down with just a solitude before God, whether it be with some worship music and his word and all that, that's great, whatever it is like um, for you, for me, whatever, that is great. But what I begin to realize is that it's not just about those. Devotion to, to prayer, being courageously persistent means that I'm constantly praying. And God began to show me that that happens in my life. That happens in my life. It, it comes along, I just find that consistently. I don't have to be just set aside, blocked away in this one little place praying. As I go through my everyday life, I find myself just talking to God. And you probably do as well. So I encourage you with that. Don't, don't feel like, well, I don't have this two-hour prayer time every day. I don't think that's necessary. It's good, and it's great if you can, and maybe you should be if the Holy Spirit's convicting you to do that. But it's about just having that persistence, just staying with it. Well, I've prayed about that, but I just I haven't prayed about it anymore because I haven't heard anything from God. You ever been there? I prayed about that for about a week, but that's it. That's it. Uh, nothing's happened, so I'm just going to give up on that. Paul's saying, no, devoted means that you are courageously persistent. You just keep pressing in and pressing in. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. You got to keep pushing. Keep believing. Um, First John, this is a passage I think is incredible. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. We have this confidence that if we go before God and we ask according to his will, how do we know the will? Because we're in tune with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit knows the will of the Father. We talked about that several weeks ago. and He testifies to us about Christ and everything. So we're in tune. When we pray within the will of God, then God hears this. The, one of the greatest things that you hear all the time from generations today is they want to be heard. They want people to listen to them. Beloved, this scripture tells us that the Father hears us. You can be heard. If no one else is listening, the Father's listening. And you go before him courageously and persistent, knowing that he hears your prayers. And if you're asking within his will, then you see him answer those things. Well, what if I'm not answering in his will? We're going to talk about that in a minute. It's called practice. You're not going to do everything perfectly, man, as a follower of Christ. But you got to be willing to take that risk and step out and start experiencing these beautiful gifts we have with things like prayer. So we got to be devoted. The next thing you see, look here, in the same verse, he says, continuing earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. we got to be watchful in prayer. He says there to be vigilant, which means to be watchful. And, and I love this because to be watchful means I'm looking around 
and I'm looking at what God is doing or where God might be prompting me to pray. I'm watchful. Prayer isn't just me going courageously and persistent. It's understanding what I'm going to be praying about. And I do that when I'm watchful through the Spirit at where God's at work. And what is God doing? I mean, many of you, probably all of you, have been driving down the road at times. There's been a wreck or there's been an issue. And you just feel this welling within you to pray. You don't know who they are. You won't ever know anything about them. But you just lift them up before the Lord in prayer. Or you're walking through the shops and, and the Spirit just gets you eye to eye with someone and your heart just cries out for them. And you might go and talk to them, but you might not. You might just lift them up in prayer. This is being watchful. Because God's at work all around us. And as ambassadors of Christ, we represent him. And prayer is powerful. And if I begin to intercede for someone because God stirs my heart for them, what a powerful thing that we have the privilege of doing. So prayer means that I'm devoted. I am courageously persistent, but I am watchful. I am looking for where God is at work, and I'm looking for how God is stirring in my heart to be interceding and praying. Can you imagine, beloved, when God's people really grab a hold of this principle and we start living it? As we go out there, we are just in a constant. That's what Paul says, to continue in prayer, be in prayer, never stop praying. It's just an act of my nature every day as I go through life. I am just courageously persistent, and I'm looking, I'm watchful, and I'm praying as God leads. Thankful. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, I love this. Thanksgiving. It's about expectation. Because when you're praying, you're being thankful. What are you thankful for? What you know and you believe the confidence God is going to do to what you're praying. It's faith. And this, is, this isn't easy, man. Uh, this would be a place that I really struggle because if I'm honest, sometimes when I'm praying, I'm like, God, do I have it right? Is this within your will? What if I'm not praying the right thing? What if I'm not praying in your will? What if I'm missing it? Then you're not going to answer it. You ever felt that? I can't be thankful when I might be messing it up. But I love this story of this individual who brings his son to Jesus. And he comes up to Jesus, and I think it's in Mark 9. He comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, can you heal my son? If you can help. If you can help. And Jesus looks at him in translation, one translation, and he says, if I can. What do you mean, if I can? If I can help. All things are possible to those who believe, Jesus says. And the response of this guy, and I want you to hear me, beloved, because we probably all need to cry this out. I know I do. The response of this, this father said, I do believe, Lord. Help thou my unbelief. I believe enough to come to you, but yes, I'm a little uncertain if you really can help or if you're willing to help, so help my unbelief. And maybe today, that's what you need to be praying. Maybe you need to be able to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm coming to you because I know you can help, but maybe I just don't believe you will, or maybe this isn't your thing, or, well, then I just need you to help my unbelief. That's as good as any prayer, if that's what you need to pray. If that's where you are, it's better just to say it. I'm really struggling to believe this, Jesus, so can you help my unbelief? I believe enough to know that you can, but I just don't know if you will, or I don't even know if you really can do this. If that's where you are, it's okay, man. Just say it, because it's better to be honest and real with Christ than to pretend like you've got it all sorted. He already knows your heart. And when this man cried out that un 
I do believe, but help thy unbelief. He found the healing. So if you're struggling to believe that Christ can heal your marriage or heal your physical issues or get you the job that you need or you're struggling to believe that God can help your kid find friends at school or God can help your kids find salvation or if you're struggling, whatever it is that you're struggling with today to believe, maybe you just need to start in your prayer time by saying, help my unbelief. I can be courageously persistent. I can be watching, but I'm really struggling to be thankful because I just don't know, Brent. Then pray. Lord, help my unbelief. Because we need to believe that he can do all things and not just say it with our lips, but display it in our actions. Because as a good Christian, we're going to say the right things. But deep within, we struggle to believe those things. And if that's where you are, it's okay. Because God's got us all on the journey. It's okay to just say, I, I don't know about that. I don't know that you can heal God. I don't know that you can do this. I don't know that you can do that. If that's where you are, man, just confess it to Christ and say, help my unbelief. So that you can begin to be thankful in your prayer, believing that when you pray with this persistent courage and, and this watchfulness that God is going to move and God is going to do something. And the final thing that we'll touch on around this idea of prayer comes in the very beginning of verse 3. Paul says, Meanwhile, praying also for us. We got to partner in prayer. This idea of prayer is about um, being devoted, being watchful, being thankful, and partnering with one another as Christians. And we're going to get into what Paul asked him to pray the next time because that's going to hit on the idea of how we go with passion. And we'll talk about that in two weeks' time next week. We have um, Pastor Jackson from our Grace South Sudanese family. He's going to be preaching next Sunday morning. So I'll finish this up in two weeks' time. But he'll be along next Sunday. Come along, man. Be here to support and hear what God says to us through Pastor Jackson from our, from our Grace family. Um, but, but in two weeks' time, we'll come back to this. But, but I want you to think today around prayer. And he says, you need to be praying for us, partnering in prayer. We've began in, in probably the last month or two just not because of this verse, but it's about this verse. At the end of every service, we give time for response, and we're giving longer times, which I'm cutting into. Sorry, Rowan. We give longer times at the end of the service so you can respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life through the message or through the songs or through the communion, but you can also go and pray for one another. If God stirs in your heart, someone in this room, if you're watchful and God says you need to go pray over Glenn because Glenn's struggling with eating his Oreo cookies, I don't know, whatever it is, if, if he puts something in your heart, then you go pray over him because we've got a partner in prayer. There's power in that, beloved. And we want to give that time at the end of the service for you to do that. You can go down and you can get prayer. You can walk around and you can pray for someone if you need to because there is power in prayer. So much. It's vital. So we come to that place. If we're going to be ambassadors for Christ, it actually starts in our heart and our mind, which is affected and impacted by prayer. We become devoted, we become watchful, we become thankful, we become partners in prayer. Now, as we come to the end of the service, I talked to you about the fact that a team, they put on these uniforms and they go out and they represent the team. But I don't know a team that actually goes out to play a game that doesn't first do what you think. What do they do? Pray? Train. Absolutely, I say the word practice, but train. Absolutely. They're going to spend some time training, practicing. Why? Why do they do that? Hey? 
to become a team so they can get to know each other's strengths and weaknesses, to unify? What else? What are the reasons do people practice or train? To work together, to, to get better, to hone their skills because they're not perfect in it, are they? They can get better, and the more practice they do, more training they do, the better they get, so that when they get in a game, they know each other, they know the skill sets, they know their abilities, they know what plays they've practiced and run in practice, and they're out there, and they've trained, and they do the best they can do because they've practiced and trained. And we would all say that a team that's going to be successful and effective need to train. Would you agree with that? Why do we not give ourselves the freedom to practice as Christians? Why do we not give ourselves the ability to train Beloved, the idea of being a prayer warrior isn't something that happens like that. The idea of really valuing and coveting prayer as essential to our Christian journey isn't something that tomorrow, because you've heard this sermon, you're going to wake up and it's just going to happen. you got to practice it. And some weeks you're going to do well, and some days you're going to do great, and some days you're not going to do well. And you've got to give yourself the freedom to say, you know what, I'm going to learn the true rhythm of what prayer is all about, and I'm going to do that by practicing these things. I'm going to practice having a devoted heart toward prayer. I'm going to practice being watchful. And sometimes you're not going to get it right. And that doesn't mean you quit. It doesn't mean you give up. It means you keep training. I'm going to practice being thankful. Sometimes you're not going to be thankful in prayer because you're just not going to believe that God can do that. So, Lord, help my unbelief. Sometimes you're going to practice and you're going to do well at being in partnership in prayer. Some days you may not. And I just want you to know, if we want to be real and genuine, if we want to really see ourselves become a kingdom community and see the transformation, we just have to say, i got to practice at this. As an individual, as a church, we just got to practice better at being a praying community. And, and, and so to do that, I'm going to challenge you for the next two weeks. When we come back together in two weeks around this sermon, I want you to have spent the next two weeks praying about something that God puts in your heart. I want you to ask him. If you don't know what, you may right now immediately know what you're going to pray about. But if you haven't, then ask him, God, what do you want me to commit the next two weeks to practice prayer in? And you're not going to get it right every day, and it might even feel odd, but I'm telling you, we have to give ourselves freedom to practice the disciplines and principles of our faith because they just don't happen like that. So take the next two weeks and pray. Try to pray every day. If you don't get it every day, it's okay. Jot down maybe what God says to you. If he tells you to pray with someone about it, go pray with someone about it. Practice that partnering with someone. But just spend the next two weeks praying, devoting yourself, courageously persistent, being watchful, being thankful, and partnering together. And let's see what God does in your prayer life and the life of our church because we commit ourselves to praying on whatever the Holy Spirit leads us to pray into. Amen? Let me pray for you, and we invite our team to come up and close this out. Lord, thank you so much for the power of your word. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to be your representatives, that we are ambassadors. And I know I don't do that well every day, but thank you for your grace and your compassion and your love and even your prayer, Jesus, where it says you sit at the right hand of the Father, interceding on my behalf, that you are praying for me to be given what I need to represent you well. Help us to learn from you, Christ, and live this, this week, next week, with a praying heart. Stir in our hearts whatever it is you desire this morning, and let your spirit lead us as this time of reflection. We love you. Amen.